What's up, everybody? We hope that you are feeling alive like Ms. Beats. I'm Josiah Keneally. And I'm Micah Keneally. And we are here in the studio today where we want to welcome you to Young Adults Today podcast, where we talk about reaching young adults in our world today. Before I get into telling you what we're going to do, I'm going to say right here, this is a special episode alert. Normally, if you are a listener, you know that my wife, Micah, and I interview a special guest. Micah and I co-host um, and we'll interview maybe a guest who's an expert or thought leader in young adult ministry world, college ministry world. We're not deviating too far off, but today I'm really excited about interviewing my wife, Micah. Micah's journey in ministry is one that began in North Dakota, helping pioneer a young adult ministry there. She's going to tell you more about her journey in a second, but she moved to Minnesota, and I rejoice about that because she went back to get her degree in youth and young adult ministry at North Central University, and she helped at Cedar Valley Church, where I was on staff at with our young adults, took leadership to a whole new level, and we obviously got married, which is awesome. We now planted a college ministry together. We're leading this podcast as well as Minnesota Young Adults. And Micah, here's the deal, purity is one of her passions. In fact, um, on the night of our wedding, Micah gave me a journal as a gift that was on, it, it was her heart on pages. And it was the most meaningful and significant thing that anyone's ever done for me. And within about a year of us being married, she took that idea to Kickstarter and the internet and successfully published Worth the Wait Journal, which is a great resource for those single, dating, or waiting. And so we're gonna talk about young adult ministry and the importance of purity. Let's do this. Micah, thanks for joining us in a new chair today. Oh my gosh, well thank you so much for having me. <laughs> you got it. And Micah, would you talk about your narrative in young adult ministry, your time in North Dakota, and your call overall to young adult ministry? Yeah, so uh, born and raised in North Dakota, I was called into ministry or into a ministry role about age 22 where I went to uh, our lead pastor's wife, and I had no idea what God was doing in my heart or what he wanted me to do, but I went into her office and I said, hey, Pastor Vicki, I know that I'm supposed to lead a Bible study. What do I do? How do I start that? What does that mean? What does that look like? And, and how do I get involved in this church to the next level instead of just attending? And she sat down with me. She gave me materials. She gave me some DVDs to go through so I didn't have to write the material. And that actually began uh, my passion as a woman in um, a, a form of ministry, obviously just as a volunteer at that time. But my heart was really being exposed to what God was wanting me to do in church, in that community, primarily in Bismarck, North Dakota, um, and also in my friend circles and my friend groups. And during that time in North Dakota, it just continued to grow. It went from leading a Bible study to serving coffee every week to holding doors and just greeting and meeting people. And it was actually one day where I went to the youth pastor and I said, hey, Pastor Terry, I know that I'm now a youth leader on a Wednesday night, and I find myself really wrestling and challenging with, um, challenged with something. And he goes, well, what are you being challenged with? Like, what is seems to be the problem, or what are you wrestling with? And the answer was simply this, there's nothing for young adults. There's nothing for me. I find myself wanting to worship um, on that Wednesday night, 
and not be available to the students. And that's not a place where my I wanted to be. That's not a place where I wanted my heart to be. And he, he challenged me and he said, Micah, then start praying and start something for young adults. And by that time, I was about 24, 25 around that area, um, area of life and stage of life where I was done with a four-year degree already in my career and volunteering at the church, wanting more of what God had and didn't know how to do that. So just a fun thing. I started praying for that, and God soon brought a team of individuals, a team of people that had the same passion and desire as I did. So I kind of got plugged in and started with this group of people, maybe 12 um individuals that were praying out for the exact same thing that I was praying for, a young adult community that I could hear from God, that I could pray and worship together, that I could learn and grow outside of just a house Bible study um, and do that weekly with a group of people. So that's when God called me into young adult ministry. We were at a retreat in the upper room, and God spoke very clearly to me like, Micah, I've called you to ministry. And that was a very pivotal moment of my life where you come at that crossroads of do I do what I'm comfortable doing as a personal trainer in the gym and having my own business doing that? Or do I completely trust that God has more for me and it does look like ministry? So that's how I'd respond to that question. <laughs> it's an amazing journey that you've been on and you've been a part of launching like a um, the, the UG, which was um, at Evangel Assembly of God young adults in Bismarck, North Dakota, you referenced that. And now also what we've done together the past year, year and a half is launch Normandale Chi Alpha. So you've been a part of launching a local church young adult ministry. You've also launched a campus ministry for college students on campus. And so can you describe what it's like launching a young adult ministry, pioneering a new endeavor for the next generation from scratch, because so many people ask us this very question. Yeah, I would definitely say that anything new, there's a multitude of feelings and emotions that are going through your head and heart. Am I doing the right thing? Am I supposed to do this? Is this a God thing? Is this something that's in my head? Am I doing it with selfish ambition? Is this really the will of God? What do I do? How do I do it? And am, am I crazy? I mean, you really sit back and think, God, this dream is bigger than myself. This dream is bigger than what I am able to do. And that's what I would say, that's a perfect place you want to be. If it's bigger than you, then it's probably from God. And that really helps and causes us to rely on what he's speaking versus what we are used to doing, right? We want to do everything our way. But if it if there seems to be no way, God will make that way. And if it's a God-sized dream and he's asking you to launch or to pioneer something, I think it starts with you recognizing this dream is bigger than myself. And the second thing I would say with that is launching a young adult ministry and stepping into something new from scratch, it needs to be birthed in a time of prayer. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, constant prayer and devotion, getting That's on so your good. face before the Lord, surrendering our will for his, our dreams for his dreams. And so I would say we experience all those different feelings and emotions, but if it truly is from God, there is such a sense of peace and clarity and excitement in the midst of what may feel like chaos or too big for you to succeed for on your own. So does that answer your question? Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. I mean, prayer is yeah. is where it starts. It is where it ends for anything significant, anything of eternal impact we know starts in prayer. And then totally, you answered so, so well. And now part of your journey I know was you had a business communication degree 
Then you were doing personal training, fitness instructing. You were on staff at the church in North Dakota. And then all of a sudden, you're 26, 27 years old, and God asks you to move out of state, go back to school, further your education. What was that process like? I obviously met you, and we became friends. We started dating. We got engaged, married, married two years at the time of recording this. But what was it like moving to a new state you didn't know where you were going to live. You had never toured the school. What was that process like? Um, I can only say it in one word. Definitely an, an adventure. <laughs> Just straight up adventure. You know like when you see those Hallmark movies or those films where it's like the small town girl in a big town world? Like that's exactly how I felt of like, you're telling me what? I have to parallel park? I have to get a parking permit? I have to pay to live here and park here? And the snow truck comes every whatever day? Snow and- plow. Well, snowball. <laughs> you know about that too in North Dakota. And the salt shakers that just, just ruined my fun. car. Oh my gosh. But yeah, it truly was a complete adventure. And it's almost like a free fall. You know, like when you want to go cliff diving, you're at the end of the cliff. And many points in anybody's life, whether you're 15 or you're 50 plus listening to this podcast, we all have these moments of these jumping opportunities, meaning that God has called us to completely let go of everything that we've known, everything that we um, want to hold on to. And it's like you almost get to the end of that diving board or the end of that cliff, and you want to jump in the water, and all you're doing is yelling at the top, one, two. And we, we all know that we jump on three, right? And I think that was my moment at age 27, um, getting to the end of that little cliff of of me and saying, God, this is the end of me and where I end is where you begin. So good. And when you're yelling at the end of the, the diving board or the cliff and you keep yelling one, two, there's just a moment I think where God yelled three and he's like, Micah, the time is now. Mm. And I've called you to so much more than what you're willing to stay here for. So it was a complete adventure. It was a wild adventure. It was really me stepping out in faith in every aspect from going back to school, 27, going back to school for another degree. God, what in the world, you know? And I had told the Lord, never. I finished an internship that January. I said, Lord, I'm never going to North Central University. I'm never going to live um, downtown Minneapolis. Like all these nevers. And by April, God's like, Mike, if you want what I have for you, you will say yes to all of these things. And that's where God really began to strip me of myself down to my core of who am I, who do I want to be, and who has God called me to be, and what do I need to do, and how do I need to get there? And it was literally, if you think of Isaiah 43, 18 through 19, it says, um, let go of the past, for I'm doing a new thing. Do you not know it? Can you not perceive it? I'm bringing water to this wasteland. And I think that was a part of my life where I felt capped off to every capacity, um, waiting for God to move, and really it was me saying one, two, one, two, over and over, and when God yells three, I had to jump into that. So that's how I would describe it. It was a whirlwind of emotions. I think it was a surprise for my family. I really joke around with my mom, and she was on vacation with one of her sisters, and I call her, I'm like, Mom, I'm moving. And she's like, stop. She's like, you are such a liar. And I'm like, no, Mom, really, I'm moving. She's like, okay, Micah, stop joking around. Where are you going to move? You know, she had all these questions for me, and I think it was more of shell shock moment for friends and family to realize how seriously I had taken my relationship with God and how much bigger the calling on my life was um, versus where I was willing to settle. So just a complete abandonment to self and adventure 
cliff jumping opportunity with God. <laughs> That's so good. And Micah, um, I know your journey, um, we're probably skipping steps here. We um, got married in 2017, and year one of our marriage, we, we, you and I both described this, it was keeping things excruciatingly simple and just learning how to be married, build a solid foundation that first year so we didn't make a lot of changes, and we really tried to dive into who are we as Micah and Josiah in marriage. Right. And in year two, we both sensed this process that God was adjusting things, aligning things, assigning things, anointing, appointing. And we both felt, and, and ultimately God gave us a new assignment of pioneering a ministry on a college campus right. from scratch for the first time. And maybe can you share your side of that story? Well, I think year two began with us asking and, and praying and fasting to God and saying, God, what does year two look like for us? And it was, who are we in ministry? That was the question and the discovery that I think God had laid on my heart even before our one-year anniversary. So uh, what my version of that was, was simply at that time, I had something else going on in my life um, in regards to I wasn't in a form of ministry. I was only volunteering heavily. So I knew that there was so much more for me as a woman in ministry and just the leadership that God really wanted to grow. And the cool thing is, as he called us onto that college campus for Chi Alpha, eight years prior to that saying yes to the calling was me continuing education credits at that host site wow. every February um, in the freezing cold, in the wind tunnels of Normandale Community College, wow. praying for that campus that God would bring leaders and Christians and Christian staff, and that he would do a miraculous work on that campus for those students. Now, if you were to tell me at age, whatever, 24, that I would be an answer to my own prayer eight to 10 years later, I would have been like, no way, there's no way I'm moving to Minneapolis. How'd I get here? You know, if there was a 10 year journey in between all of that. So I would say that when God plants those seeds in our hearts for prayer or fasting or petitioning things up to him for his kingdom and not our own, we don't know who or how he's going to use us or others in that process. When I was in North Dakota, he brought a team of young adults who were desiring the same thing. When I was praying on that campus at Normandale before I even lived in Minnesota, I was praying that God would plant people there. Wow. And then come you know, the fall of 2018, I would be with my husband and with my spouse planting a Chi Alpha and saying yes to what God had. So what did that look like? It looked like me saying yes, me getting in the prayer closet, me really having to uh, look at my own natural talents and gifts and abilities um, that line up with the Word of God and this passions in my own heart, like what are my natural gifts and talents that I can offer back to him to leverage his kingdom, not build my own. So it was a lot of me um, having to look inwardly of, Lord, what have you called me to do that's going to complement my spouse, obviously you, Josiah, and complement our marriage in ministry that we can go farther together? It's fun. And I remember my deal, too, is over a decade ago, I started classes at Normandale Community College. So I had that backstory. We were maybe even in about the same time going to that campus um, for different reasons. And then I remember it was like our third, second or third date that we went on a prayer walk. We just, both Mike and I have a, 
a passion and a burden and anguish for this generation, for college students specifically and young adults. And so we prayer walked that right. pretty early on at Normandale, having never known that within five years we would be right. full time, both leaving our jobs and, and becoming campus missionaries and doing that full time is just a crazy hashtag adventure, like you said. And briefly, Micah, let's talk you and I about Minnesota Young Adults and youngadults.today. And I know that one of the things that Chi Alpha gives us the freedom and the empowerment to do is to also lead for our state, for the Assemblies of God, Minnesota Young Adults. And um, this is a brand new initiative really to help start and strengthen new and existing young adult ministries all across our state. And then from that, we gathered a core team together of key young adult pastors here in Minnesota, campus pastors, um, college campus pastors as well. And and we st- we came up, <laughs> up realizing that we need real relationships with each other, rallying points and resources. And this podcast, Young Adults Today, came from that, came right. from those meetings, came from those brainstorming, realizing, man, there needs to be resources and it's for people in Minnesota but people all across the nation or the globe can check these out and our heart is really simply to just reach sinners for Jesus raise up believers for Jesus and then release leaders for Jesus into his kingdom offer his glory offer his namesake and I just talked about that but what else would you say about Minnesota young adults or young adults today well, I think the main thing that our, our passion is is simply we want to reach young adults. We want to reach the churches. We want to reach the heart of the leaders that are going to potentially need to create space for young adults, whether they are going through college, single, dating, married, children, no children, whatever it is, is to create that space for community uh, because they're not being taught how to have a community. So why we do what we do and why we're so passionate about this is simply the fact that we want to be and create a resource for individuals to get connected, not to us, Mike and Josiah, but to the heart of Christ in the process of pioneering and letting them know that you're not alone and at the state level or the national level or wherever God takes this, we're praying for you and we are a resource that can link arms and say yes and amen to what God wants to do to make sure that they are equipped to do what God's called them to do and not just getting thrown into the pond with no life jacket and no boat and saying well good luck read a book and there's no books to there's not no there's few books to read about starting young adult ministry or to be in the realm of young adults to begin with we can study youth all we want but young adults um are going to be in their early 30s, 18-year-olds are going to be young adults. So young adults are never going to be a group right. of people that don't exist. Right. So <laughs> it's, it's going to happen. There's no shortage of young adults in America, in our world. And it's different than youth, like you said. And so what I love that you said too, Micah, is we just want to make ourselves available as a resource. You now have a friend or two friends actually in young adult ministry You've got two new prayer partners. So there's ways to get a hold of us through the website, youngadults.today, through social media, youngadults.today. And we're going to take a quick break. We're going to dive back into an interview with Micah Keneally, and we're going to talk about more all things young adult ministry after this break. We're Micah and Josiah Keneally on youngadults.today. And if you do us a favor, wherever you're listening to this podcast, if you would rate, review, and subscribe, 
as well as share. That will help us reach more leaders with the message of youngadults.today. Welcome back to this episode, this special episode alert of Young Adults Dot Today. We're here joined, um, this is Josiah Keneally. I'm joined with my wife, Micah Keneally, normally our co-host on the podcast, but we are asking her to switch chairs into the special guest seat. We are picking her brain on her experience in young adult ministry, her narrative, her story. And um, we're going to dive into section two here, Micah. Babe. All right, I'm ready. Is that all right to call you babe on air? Sure, as long as I know who I am. <laughs> beautiful, beautiful. You are beautiful, and that is a beautiful oh, answer. Thank you. So, section two, I want to ask you, Micah, what is or what are some of the primary issues that you see teens and 20 somethings are dealing with? That's an excellent question, and I think it all stems back down to the root of who am I, why am I here, what is my purpose? and everything that stems out of that, whether it's loneliness, um, I want a boyfriend, I want a girlfriend, why isn't he here yet, why am I not married, when can I have kids, all those different things. And I think sometimes we, we approach those concepts and those ideas and we begin with the end in mind, forgetting that in the process we need to become who we need to become for our future spouse, whether you're male or female, it doesn't matter. So. I think the number one thing or the primary issue that I'm seeing young women and men struggle with is um, putting their identity in Christ. Wow, yeah. Where is my identity put in? Is it in an idea? Is it in a concept? Is it in a current relationship? Is it desiring a future relationship? What am I putting my identity on? And North Central University has a song, and I love the, the lyrics to the song, and it's simply... Um, it's crying out to God, obviously, and it's saying, be seated on the throne of my heart. So I think the number one primary issue that we're seeing or lack of concept that we're seeing within young adults, male and female, I'm going to keep saying male and female because it's just not a female thing, is who's seated on the throne of your heart. Wow, that's um, so good. It can be wrapped up in anything, job, career, relationship, um, impure thoughts, whatever i mean you fill in the blank we all have something and to constantly come back to the factor of who does god say i am who am i in christ and who is seated on the throne of my heart throughout the day it's not a one and done type thing it's constantly being reminded and speaking truth in life over our identity and our purpose that is an excellent question, and I, I think it's for sure a revel, relevant issue and detail in the lives of young adults, Micah. Mm-hmm. I think John Piper asks it like this, what's the source of your joy? Right. Is it desiring God? Is it desiring that God is made much of or that we are made much of? Louis Giglio says, who gets the glory right. in your life? Um, Francis Chan just talks about who are you more excited about? Are you more excited when you meet somebody or when you meet with God? A phone call, a FaceTime, or a face-to-face with God? And I love how you phrased that, Micah, who is seated on the throne of our hearts. That is definitely something to examine and tremble at and take to heart even today. And Micah, part of what sometimes people seat on the throne of their heart might be money. It might be finances. You, You talked about what it might be. It might be a boyfriend or a girlfriend. It might be just 
the next thing in life and right. moving forward. But purity is something that I know that you are passionate about. So I'll get to one question soon of why is purity important, but would you share some of your story and why did you become passionate about purity? Well, I think anything that we're passionate about, it generally has to do with something we've learned or experienced in life or haven't learned properly or healthfully in life. And I think that there are, I've spoken at a couple of different events with fifth, sixth, and seventh graders in the room, and their parents are present. And posing the question, how many of you have actually had the talk, the sex talk, with your teen or preteen sitting in this room? And I literally can say there was one out of 60, to, like teens, preteens, teens, and adults. There was one person or one couple that truly had the talk with their child. And I think we live in a day and age where it seems like all goes, whatever you want to do, do it. If it feels good, it must be good. And I think my passion stemmed from the fact that I didn't have a sex talk. My parents did not know how to bring up the importance of saving yourself, thinking pure thoughts, going to God for your identity instead of looking for it in a significant other or others, whatever mm -hmm. you want to say there. Mm -hmm. So uh, when you're in a room with those people and you're posing hard and difficult questions, of course, is it embarrassing to have to bring something up to somebody who wants to like plug their ears? La, 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 I can't hear you. I mean, I remember being a fifth and sixth grader saying that when my mom wanted to have conversations with me. And she's like, well, fine, if you're not going to listen, we're not going to have it. Right. Which looking wow. back, I don't know what you don't know at age 12. But from a parent perspective, I would hope, we are not parents obviously right now, but I would hope that parents listening to this or even leaders listening to this, um, that we can talk about love, sex, dating, and waiting, and what does it mean to live a pure and holy life? It only isn't with the intimacy of somebody of the opposite sex or exploring things in the world. It is simply coming back to the fact, I want to be transformed by the renewing of my mind so that I can understand God's good, perfect, and pleasing will for my life. And when we understand who we are and how God's called us to live in pure pure and holy life, both with our mind, soul, spirit, all those things interwoven, I think we can begin to understand who we are in Christ and who Christ has called us to be. And we can actively desire those healthful thoughts for ourselves and for others. So I think why am I passionate about purity is because I never had the talk. My talk was simply this, me running out the door at eight o'clock at night, having a curfew of midnight and saying, no drugs, no sex, no alcohol, love you, see you later. That is not, in my opinion, looking back, is not the best approach to have with any teen, preteen, right. or even high right. school or whatever you want to say. So I think my passion comes from being in a relationship for six and a half years that was not pure, was not holy, was not prayed into prior to allowing myself to be pursued by that young man and staying in that relationship for six and a half years, knowing that God had so much more for me and willing to settle because comfort came, you know, and it was a safety net to know that this person would be there instead of stepping out in faith and saying, God, I want all of what you have for me, and I want to live the redemptive story of purity, and I want to be holy in your sight. So I think a lot of it comes back down to me having one of two options. I remember getting out of that relationship and feeling guilt and feeling shame and feeling all those different things that can come with a guy or a girl, and really sitting down with God and God calling me out saying, Mikey, you can either allow your story and this past to 
hold you captive and not be effective and allow the enemy to eat you alive. Mm-hmm. Or you can choose option two, which is, Mikey, you can share your story and help women process what you are currently processing and use that to further my kingdom. So I said, yes, God, I want you to further my kingdom. And I want to step out on the other side of living a redeemed life, living a set free life. And I would say that's why I'm passionate about purity is to bring forth the fact that you can remain pure, male, female. I mean, you and I, we didn't get married till 30. Our relationship was pure and right, holy. exactly. We had boundaries. We had expectations for ourselves and each other. We guarded each other's hearts. And I knew that the next person I dated um, would be the one that God had called me to be with. And he said, while I was in a season of singleness, Micah, a man of God will lead you to the foot of the cross. He will not lead you to the foot of the bed period. And I remember I had a guy friend and we were we were just really good friends throughout our whole life, K through 12. And he would say, Micah, a man who respects you will not sleep with you. And I would just want to encourage any listener, any leader listening, wrestling with teens who constantly are wrestling with these you know, decisions that they're making is to continually speak life and truth in them and to them with love like Christ would. So that is primarily why I am passionate about purity. Well, and like that's so important, and that that passion that you have for purity has become a shared passion of ours right. for purity. It's interesting that there's some things that she was passionate about you, like uh, there's some things that he, me, was passionate about, and then it's interesting in our lives coming together, intersecting for God's glory. We now share a, a number of unique passions together, and still some of our own as well, but it's amazing that my side of the story is that I met you and you were involved in North Central University. You came and showed up as a volunteer at Cedar Valley Church in Young Adults. And I remember you coming and right away, um, I had talked to your former young adult pastor, your pastor and another gentleman who knew you. And they are just like, hey, you need to see if she'll help out with young adult female leadership. And I remember you took it to a whole new level, but we were just friends at that time. Mm -hmm. And then I remember there was a moment where you needed to interview a pastor for uh, an assignment. You showed up in my office and you said, Josiah, do you journal? And I admit this humbly now because it's embarrassing, (laughs) but I said no. And you were gonna give me a journal that day and you didn't, but there's a side to this story because I didn't know that in the moment, but there's a side of this story that you have that I thought it would be so cool for you to share today. Yeah, and I guess why I'm passionate about purity is is it's something that God stemmed in my heart from a place of hurt is where it started, but a place of healing and redemption. And that was God's constant reminder of worth the wait. He is worth the wait. She is worth the wait. Um, they are worth the wait and in that process. So um, I was very... Um, in love with God at that time, I kept praying, God, take me back to my first love, but prepare me for my love on this earth um, and that I can team up with and do ministry with. And in that process, God was like, you need to begin to journal because three things young adults are not doing consistently are praying, journaling, and journaling and reading the word of God. That is so true. So those are three things that God called me out on and called me up on. Say them again, Micah. Three things that young adults are not doing. Are not doing on a consistent basis are journaling, praying, and reading the Word of God. Wow. Yep. And if we want to know who we are and whose we are and what God wants us to do, we need to begin to adopt those three things in our daily 
um, daily routines and it doesn't become a checklist. It becomes a heart desire. And I was in a season where I was really praying out for three and a half years, praying, fasting, 40 days on, 40 days off. If you have not read the book, um, The 40 Day Soul Fast by Cindy Trim, um, I encourage you to check that out. It's a phenomenal read that really helped me um, prune certain things and characteristics in my life that align with the word of God. And anyway, so I started reading, praying and fasting and journaling and God laid it on my heart. You need to start praying specifically for your future spouse. So good. Characteristics of where they're at, what they're doing, what they're going through, who um, who you want to become and praying blessings of thanksgiving over them. Instead of looking at what you don't have, start thanking God for what he's working on. And I prayed one night, it was February two or April 2014, and I remember going to bed after years of praying. I was like, God, I want to see his face tonight. Show me his face. If he's not in North Dakota, then take me to him. And I'm willing to, I'm willing to do what you want me to do to respond to where you've called me to be. And in that process, he, I went to bed that night, April 14th, went to bed and I woke up um, and I was so mad because I actually had a dream of somebody. And it was this individual on this big, beautiful brick bridge with a city in the background, bright blue eyes, black twins hat on, black on black, had a black jacket on, um, dimple in his chin, and he looked at me right in the eyes, and he goes, Micah, I love you. And then after the dream, like, I woke up, and I was so angry, because I'm like, God, I don't even know anybody who looks like that. And I was so frustrated, because I'm like, ah, don't put dreams in my heart to tease me, you know? And in that moment, I was just like... this is so ridiculous. And God reminded me, he said, Micah, what have you been praying for? And do you want what I have for you? You know, and as a girl, you know, in that moment, I was like, just had to repent and cry out to God. of like, God, yes, I want what you have for me. And I just want to encourage anybody who, who wants a dream from God and who wants to know and have clarity and have peace of mind that God does have somebody out there for you. He does not put dreams in our heart to tease us. So good. Yep. So I really started praying into that literal dream and dream that I had in my heart of marriage and a spouse to do ministry with that would understand understand my calling as well as understand and know theirs. And if you fast forward of um, November 1st or November 2nd of 2014, I walk into Cedar Valley Church, shake this guy's hand, bright hair or bright blue eyes. Um, he had a grin on his face. He had a dimple in his chin. He shook my hand, made eye contact. He said, Micah, uh, my name is Josiah. And it instantly took me back to that flashback of Micah, I love you. And in that moment, I'm shaking his hand. And I, we serve a God that didn't, didn't say yes in that moment. God said, yup. Like, yep, this is the guy from your dream. And needless to say that he was the guy from my dream. And I started praying specifically for my future spouse and for Josiah after I had a name and a face. I prayed for those things separately because I think sometimes we want to pray, Lord, make him the one versus Lord, is he the one? Well, and I don't want to interrupt you Oh, please here. do. I, I just want to add that um, a few things. I did not have that exact dream that you had. Right. But um, I also, this is where I really believe it was of God for a few reasons. One, I didn't have that exact dream. However, I did have a rule. It was not the church's rule. It was just my own rule. I don't date people from our church or from this ministry. And what's amazing is God slowly made it so clear because I began to pray so bef- I didn't have that same dream, but I did pray before we ever dated, before we ever got engaged or ultimately married. I did pray, God, I want to know 
if Micah is the one that you have for me. And in addition, I have been coached by my parents to pray for my future spouse, by our church. Even my youth pastor, Brent Silkey, he said something to me often. Maybe his most frequent thing to me is, Josiah, make sure the person you marry is the right person. And that could be worth the podcast episode in its entirety <laughs> today. For some young adult leader who finds himself single, make sure you marry the right, right person. Yes. The calling of God is on your life. It needs to be on his or her life as well. Um, and so if you're listening today, make sure you marry the right person. Make sure you pray before you date. Yes. That's job number one. And then from there, instruct those that you lead and serve. Make sure that they're praying before they date. Make sure they're praying before they swipe and say yes to a date on an app. Right. Make sure that we're talking about purity and make sure that you're praying before you get married and praying for that future spouse. Didn't mean to interrupt you, but wanted to zero in on that. I forgot where I was. Where, where you're <laughs> leading us to is even the, the journal. The, the, the yeah. journal that, that, I, that you, asked me, you asked me one time, hey, do you journal? And I, I said no. Right, and um, so I did have a journal for Josiah that day, and I did not end up giving it to him because he was very prideful in that moment. He said, I don't journal, but now he will say he will journal to the one above. So I'm very right. thankful of that. <laughs> I used to say, well, now I say, I used to think I was above journaling. Now I journal to the one above. Yes. Right. So I realized that I needed to begin to pray for characteristics in his heart as a leader and if he was truly the man that I was going to be with. So, But in the meantime, um, I did not give him that journal, but I began to journal to him in a very specific way. And um, that's where Worth the Weight came out of. It's a journal that I've written that's been published that has helped hundreds of young adults and their future spouses um, to receive a leather-bound gift on their wedding night that goes through journaling, praying for their future spouse, as well as reading scripture that aligns with that theme of the week that they are journaling in and towards. So, Well, and I just want to back up one step. You said, Josiah, hey, do you journal? I said no. And then fast forward to the night of our wedding, what Micah isn't telling you that she did is that she gave me a box and in the box had this journal that she was going to give me back in 2014. Fast forward to June 30th, 2017. She gave me a box and it's a journal, brown leather bound, and it's her heart on pages telling me that I was worth the wait. And just her heart on pages praying, writing scriptures and journaling to me. And it was the most meaningful and significant thing that anyone's ever done for me. And then fast forward, God downloaded a dream to go to the internet, go to Kickstarter. And Micah had a successful Kickstarter campaign that launched this, that got this journal published that like she said. And so the journal is one resource, but Micah, how can, what, what else would you say about Worth the Weight Journal? I would say it's definitely a resource to bring Christ back into the center of singleness. Um, I think when we are single and we desire something, we get so fixated on something that we don't yet have that we can become angry and bitter and frustrated. And this journal hopefully can help eliminate and alleviate some of that te tension, um, frustration, anxiety, maybe even w worry or doubt over the future. And it just really invites God back into the season of singleness. Paul says singleness is a gift and yes. marriage is a gift. Spot on. And if we are not satisfied in singleness and we're not able to lead ourselves 
ourselves to the cross as a male or female in a season of singleness, we are never going to be able to do that in marriage because marriage is simply two whole people coming together to make a whole marriage. It's not two half people coming together to make a whole marriage. Or two broken people coming together to make a broken marriage. Yes. So the Worth the Weight journal helps penetrate your heart for the things that God has for you without creating a false hope because it goes back down to the word and character of Christ. And one thing, if you do receive the journal and you are working on it and you're working you know, diligently and praying for that future spouse, one thing that I do not want people to think that the journal equals a spouse. The journal does not equal spouse. Journal is a tool used to take you in a season of singleness, dating, or maybe even engagement to a deeper depth of who God is and why you desire something so much and why it is sacred. So that's how I would kind of sum that up in that way. It's amazing. It's available on micahkennelly.com. <laughs> I'll try that again. It's available on micahkennelly.com. And it's also um, available at, at Worth the Wait if they were to Google it and their social media for it. Micah, let me ask you this too. How can leaders help our students and young adults, those we lead, pursue the path to purity? Well, I think anything begins with the leader. Um, what we reap is what we sow. And when we are reaping and sowing uh, thoughts of impurity or thoughts of lust or thoughts of frustration or negativity, even as a leader, that naturally bleeds into the people around us, the workspace around us, the family around us, the friends around us. And I would just encourage leaders, if you want to help students, you first and foremost need to be healthy yourself. And I think we can only take people as far as we are willing to go. And if we're not teaching and taking people to the heart of Christ when it comes to purity, um, uh, recovering from pornography or any other addiction that's hindering our walk with the Lord, because we know that what sin separates us from the heart of Christ. So if you find yourself as a leader and you're in this boat of frustration and anxiety, I would encourage you to seek out mentors above you who are farther along in life and in ministry. Maybe it's counseling, working through some things that you need to work through because we can only take people as willing uh, or as far as we are willing to go as the leader. So how do we do that? I think we celebrate both things. I think we've celebrated marriage so much Mm. that I remember being a single person in the room and I'm like, what about us who aren't married? What about us who do not have children? What do you have to say to us? And I felt very overlooked and it felt like singleness was frowned upon. Even when I was 27, stepping into a church of being, Micah, what's wrong with you? Why aren't you married? oh my word, like, this is a Christian church. Like, I didn't know what to say in those moments. Mm-hmm. And I needed to know. And I'm like, you know what? I'm. They told me I was too picky. And I would say, you know what? I'm not picky. I'm particular. Yeah. Because this is somebody that I want God to choose with me and for me as I pray and as I uncover that. So I think both singleness and engagement and dating and... You know, all those things need to be celebrated well, um, but primarily singleness and marriage need to be celebrated well um, in the fact that both are a gift. And when we are single, we need to be learning about physical boundaries. And there are three T's that I would encourage everybody to look into. Um, and if you're single, this is this is for you. And if you are trying to reach people who are single, encourage them if you're married. It's time, touch, and technology, the three T's that I feel like God has downloaded to me. Time is evaluating how much time am I spending with this person? Are they taking me away from my friend groups and my family and my circle of friends and 
do I feel isolated? And are they all consuming about me 24 seven? The second thing with time would be anything past 10 p.m., not a good idea, you know? Nothing right. good happens after 10. Yeah. And maybe that's a different number. Maybe it's eight o'clock for some of you listening. You need to know yourself and your triggers when it comes to the opposite sex and um, the potential dating or being pursued. So time, how much time and what time of day am I connecting and communicating with this person that I'm interested in or is interested in me? Touch would be what are my physical boundaries? I mean, I can squeeze one guy's shoulders and there's, you know, he's like, okay, that was great, thank you, like whatever. If I squeeze somebody else's shoulders, they could misread that for a sexual innuendo or whatever. So even looking at, can I hold hands with them? Is that a trigger? Maybe I can't snuggle with them and sit side by side on a couch in a home alone with this individual. There's no spooning on our couch, you know, or, you know, that's what we look at, um, the touch factor of how much how much boundary do we yeah. have here yeah. and understanding that. So teaching teens and young adults about time, touch, and technology. If the person that you are supposedly dating is a believer and they truly are, they will not be texting me. They will not be sexting me. They will not be asking me to participate in sending things or watching right. films right. that are rated R or yeah. that have all those different things. So, so I would say as a leader, evaluating what do I value with my time, touch, and technology? Even if you're not in a relationship, what are my values that I need to evaluate in my life? Because they are going to affect the people that are following me and asking the same questions. Well, and maybe this is just what's coming to my spirit, along with what you said, time, technology, and touch. You know, I'm also realizing like a, there's a lot of churches out there that have a longing, a burden, a heart to reach young adults or singles. Right. And maybe they're wondering where are all the single people? Well, maybe if the church started speaking to their needs and started celebrating them, right. they would appear and realize I'm valued. I belong here. And so, I mean, we were just in a, a great church setting on vacation. We visited Vu Church. Right. Rich Wilkerson Jr. leads Vu Church, and he took Sunday, uh, Sunday, June 30th, yeah, to, to speak to all the singles. The message is single and secure. Yes. But pastors, especially of college students and young adults, this demographic wants to talk about relationships. That's a great resource. Um, you can pray and <laughs> also come up with your own resources as well. But yes, this is so important for those we lead that we talk about this. Well, and I think even the church could take the approach and just celebrate this. And this is something that I was just reflecting on the other day. And marriage does not equal happiness. And singleness does not equal loneliness. Right. Because if we do go back to the Word of God, when Paul's talking about it, that it's a gift yes. and that we're a treasure to each other, then I want to value I want to value that. And I think sometimes we have the misconception that if I'm married, then I'll be happy. If I wasn't single, then I wouldn't be lonely. And you are what you attract. And if you're a lonely, desperate, broken person, probably going to connect with somebody at that same level. And that is not a healthy marriage. That's not a healthy place to be as a single person, let alone talking and praying towards a healthy marriage when you are so unhappy and so lonely yourself. And that's where it goes back to being secure in who I am and whose I am in Christ and really pursuing um, just the joy of the Lord in no matter what season you find yourself in. Wow. And so, Micah, is there anything else on 
maybe if you could leave college pastors and young adult pastors with one thing, maybe it is on, um, <coughs> excuse me, maybe it is on purity, maybe it's on something else. But before we do the five and five, is there anything else on this topic of purity that you want to leave people with? That's a great question. Hmm, my wheels are turning. I, I know I put you on the spot and, and I want to just lean into this moment if, you know, if there was something that maybe God's downloading to your heart or spirit about this generation and the, the importance of purity. I would just encourage anybody, and this is what I'm very grateful for, is I always had healthy male friendships in my life. I never that I did not date, I did not have a chemistry with that I wanted to pursue in a intimate relationship. I had and began to pray when I was coming out of a season of dating. I began to pray God, I want and I need men in my life that will treat me with love, treat me with respect, with zero intention of pursuing me just loving me as a sister, loving me as a sister in Christ. And I think that's why it's important to have friends of the opposite sex in your life. And maybe it's more group settings. Maybe it's not like a one-on-one. -on -one. But I just found that those really helped me identify what have I been praying for in a future spouse when I can walk in a room and admire four or five different male friends in my life that I'm not in love with. I love them as a brother, but there's different qualities that come out of them. Like they're so kind and compassionate. They are hilarious and they have a sense of humor. Oh my gosh, they're so creative and they're so their heart of worship. And so I would enter a room of just male friends and just be inspired to know that there are men out there pursuing yeah. God. And I have girlfriends that I'm not a dramatic person. I don't like drama. I don't like conflict, confrontations. I have very mellow, adventurous, amazing female friends. But I don't have to look around the, the room and say, where are all the Christian women to step aside or step beside me as a friend and a sister in Christ? So when we start to surround ourselves, when we're desiring purity, we do need to prune out some friendships yep. and work through some past regrets, mistakes, hurdles, hurts, hangups, whatever you want to call them, in order to step into a season of purity. So I believe that's a constant thing that I think we all can reflect on, no matter whether we're a pastoral leader or we are in the marketplace. It doesn't matter. I think that if we have healthy friendships of the opposite sex, even if they're only in group settings, is healthy to have and be exposed to, to know that there are men pursuing God, that there are women pursuing God. And that just really, I don't know, decreased my fear of feeling like I had missed out on something, but increased my curiosity in the prayer closet because I knew God had someone. So I don't know if that makes any sense. That's something that I've never really spoken out loud, but I think that was just healthy to have in my life to know that. So yes, thanks for putting me on the spot. <laughs> You're welcome. Yeah, I say this all the time. If I ever am in doubt of what to say, that's not what happened there. But if I'm in doubt of what to say, I just hand the mic to Micah because gold is going to come out. So in, in that note, Micah, I'm going to do final thoughts, five in five. Five questions, five minutes. I got it. You warmed up, Michael I Phelps style? I so. I'm sweating. Okay. <laughs> Micah. First one, 
What has surprised you about young adults and the next generation the most? I would have to say how they're so hungry. They're so hungry for truth. They're hungry for relationship. They're hungry for love. They are hungry for mentors. They are starving and willing to sit at your table and listen to the word of God. The scary thing is that if you don't invite them to your table, they may find somewhere else to sit. That Bang. is not good. That is not healthy. That is not truth or biblical or the love of Christ. So expanding the table of my home is what I desire because they're so not physically hungry, spiritually hungry. And what I've seen right along those lines, Micah, in young adult ministry, and we've seen this together even, if you build it, they will come. If you host it, they will show up. Yes. If you set the table, they will come and eat. And so maybe maybe it's a food event, maybe it's in our home. I don't know. What's your favorite event you've ever done? Could be anything in young adult ministry. I think my favorite event is literally, it may sound cheesy, but it's having women in our home every Thursday night. Like that is just, it's a weekly event, but for them to be baptized in the spirit and healed and set free of things is the most beautiful and rewarding thing that I think we can see on this side of heaven to see those radical transformations. So I would say the weekly um, events are my favorite because the girls don't grow and point towards me. They grow and point towards Christ and their community Amen. builds among themselves. That's amazing. What is your favorite story or testimony of life change? I would just say um, many of the girls that I do mentor are the ones that I see choosing to step out of the ungodly, messy relationships that they should have never stepped into. So I've, I always say like I should make a shirt that says, hate me now, love me later. <laughs> I want to do that as a personal trainer, but also as I expose more of the worth, the weight, and the importance of that, I think it just exposes the heart of Christ. Um, so I'd say the radical transformations are the women who have stopped sleeping with their boyfriends, who have moved out of their homes, who are on fire for God, that are getting water baptized, baptized in the Holy Spirit, who are um, taking a season of singleness, and they're finding joy, just like God wow. talks about. Like It's a gift, and they're finding singleness as a gift. And I'm not talking about one girl this has happened with. Dozens of girls have stepped out of relationships that they've said yes to prematurely, and now they're saying yes to Christ. Hmm. Beautiful, powerful. If you could maybe share a message with a room full of college pastors, young adult pastors, what would you share? What would I share with young adult pastors? I think it goes back to something I've already said, and I applied this to when I was a personal trainer, when I was in the gym, and it is I, will, I won't lead you where I'm not willing to go myself. I won't make you do something in the gym that I've never done myself or that I can't do right now. And we can only take people as far as we're willing to go. And if I'm not willing to throw a generation on my shoulders, the generation is going to die below. Mm -hmm. And if I'm not willing and humbled enough to ask for mentorships and be hoisted up onto somebody, because we're all standing on somebody else's shoulders. If yeah. not, we should be. Yeah. And we are a byproduct of somebody else's fruit. So, good. so if I could leave pastors or young adult leaders with something, Christ needs needs to be the number one thing that you chase. So when he says go, you will know where you're going. You will know um, why you're going and you know who's coming with you. And that is the generation above and below. Wow. Micah, on, on behalf of the people that 
we serve and you serve and you lead, I just want to say thank you so much for the treasure that you are, for the joy that you bring and for how you are willing to go where you're taking others and how you're willing to do what you're also asking them to do. And your creed does match your deed and Mm -hmm. um, you do practice what you preach and that means the world to a whole generation. And it is so fun to do life and ministry, marriage together. And um, so thank you for a great conversation today. Thanks for joining us. You can find out more about Micah Keneally, Worth the Wait, and Minnesota Young Adults when you connect with us on the platforms of youngadults.today as well as social media at youngadults.today. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. Until next time, this is Josiah and Mike Keneally hosting youngadults.today. Plug me in. I'm getting judged up.